This is a podcast from Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk. I wondered whether we could maybe gain just a little bit of perspective. A little bit of perspective. It's the title of my talk this week. Last week we looked at which way is it? And our prayer was that we find the right path. Um, but, when, uh, but then when we found the right path, that we walk in it confidently. Confidently knowing that God is leading and that we are putting him first in everything that we do. And everything, too, that we say out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Is that not what the Word of God says? So I want to put him first in all that I do, and that will enable me to live the right way and to walk in the way that he's called me to. And even though, should the direction change to the left or to the right, then I'm ready because I've got my eye on him or my eyes fixed on the prize. So I guess that we might know these sorts of things, and, you know, listening to a a preacher or a teacher, you sort of listen for a little bit, and then, you know, it's, if you're anything like me, it goes in here, and it drifts out here. Now, you're all better than I am, but I'm saying that, that the standard practice is But once we know that we have to do something, um, on this journey that we call life, things come our way and they come in front of us and we then have to make a decision. You see, we can just stand in sheer panic that something has come that is going to change the direction. Something has come in that might just uh, confuse matters. Something on the horizon that's going to frighten us. We can choose to just stand there in absolute panic and in an ice-like state, I believe they call it frozen. Um, But I've also thought that that doesn't really help. But I guess the other thing that we can do is we we could stand and we can panic or we can panic and run. We can panic and run, running in the opposite direction. Of course, there is another way, and that's to face the battle, whatever it might be, head on. But a lot of the time, we are fearful of the battle, even though we don't really know what the battle entails. One of the best examples of this um, in the Word of God that I, I think we can look at this morning to just give us some perspective on the story is 1 Samuel chapter 17. Back in the Old Testament, you'll know the story of a gentleman called David and the big chap that was over nine feet tall called Goliath. Okay, so I know about the story. <laughs> Come on, guys, you know, I know it's warm. Um, but David and Goliath is a fantastic story, but it, it shows us perspective at the very forefront. It's the very theme of what runs through the story. It's perspective, and it's so important. The Israelites are coming up in battle against the Philistines. The Israelites are on one hill. There is a valley in between, and on the other hill are the Philistines, and they are a big 
nasty, ugly bunch. Nothing like us this morning. Nothing like us this morning. And what happens is, and what was customary in these days, is they would send out, the enemy would send out their best fighter. Now, if you can beat this man, then we know we can't, so we don't stand a chance against you lot. So they send out their best fighter, and the Philistines do that, and he just happens to be this chap who is nine foot tall, who is absolutely humongous, a giant of a man, dressed in um, armor and a shield that we'd even struggle to lift, with a spear that's as sharp as a, well, what are those things that they use in hospitals? You know, those, uh, a scalpel, sharp ready to battle. You can imagine that this bloke would have been thrashed to bits with his face, you know, his nose on one side. You know the type, don't you? Just huge. You look at him and you think, (laughs) if you want anything, mate, I'm your man. I'll uh, fetch that for you. You know, just sheer panic when you look at him. And he steps out of the ranks, the Philistine army, and he stands there, and you can read this in Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. And he basically defies God. And he says, who are you and who is this God? Look at the size of me. Send me your best fighter. And he does this day after day. And the Israelites sit up there, shaking in their ice-like state, fearful of what this man could do to them. And there was not a single person in the Israelite army who was willing to do anything. They were just afraid. And I guess if we try and dissect their fear just a little bit, was it self-preservation? You'd imagine so, wouldn't you? Self-preservation. We had a photo shoot yesterday and I put somebody else's teeth in for it so that <laughs> I'm now trying to get used to my own. <laughs> but, uh, but is it self-preservation? Or, you know, is it the fact that I'm just fearful of failure? You know, I go out there and give this a go, but what if he beats me? Well, I guess the end result is, of, as we've thought, that maybe life is done with. But maybe they could also be thinking, well, I can't tackle the the giant on the other side of the hill because he's far too big. I'm, I'm, me, I'm not big enough. Or maybe they could say, well, you know, I've been been practicing and that with my left hand and my right hand with my sword. You know, I've I've thought about it. Been in training and that. But I'm worried I'm not quite good enough. You know, I'm not quite good enough. I'm not big enough. I don't do it. Self-preservation says I'm not going to go up there because nobody else seems to be going. Why should I risk my life? Fear of failure says, well, I can't do it because I might not win. Not big enough, not good enough. And also, I suppose if you drill down into it, you could think, well, you know, I couldn't even lift that guy's shield. let alone try and beat him. 
And then in the story, in amongst all this fear, and in amongst all this defiance from over in the Philistine army, a young shepherd boy called David enters the scene. He's come to bring some cheese. An underrated job, let me tell you. If, if anybody wants to bring me cheese at any point, that is fine, okay? But David, he enters the story with a load of cheese for his brothers, and he goes to the battlefront, and he... What's he saying? He gets in amongst all the, all the fighters. And, you know, this, this shepherd boy from out on the hillside who's got nothing to look at. He's not big. He's not tall. He couldn't even lift a blooming sword. And he's like, what, what's that guy saying over there? Is he, is he saying what I think he's saying? And you lot are all stood here doing nothing. Ah, it's a bit confusing. 1 Samuel chapter 17 um, and verse 20 through, 22 through 26. David left uh, his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from the lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, while well, they did what they'd been doing for days. And they all ran from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. The, the prize fund's gone up, hasn't it? That's because we've been waiting a long time for somebody to step up. They've been waiting a long time for somebody to step into the battle and say, enough's enough. They've been waiting long enough now that the king is offering even a tax-free life. I mean, I think I'd even armour up. He's offering him all sorts. David asked the men, verse 26, standing near him, almost as though... What is happening? He says, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who is this bloke saying that God's not big enough? Saying that God's not strong enough? Saying that God isn't real, saying that God isn't going to do anything. Who is this bloke? This nine-foot joker with a pointy stick. And you see, the key is, is David's perspective. Because the whole army are looking at a giant that they can't beat. They can't possibly beat him he's too big too ugly too strong he, it is not going to happen but David isn't looking at the big ugly giant David's looking at a man that's defying God and he's looking at a man who's got an army behind him that are also in defiance of the God that he knows is real and true and will rescue Israel from their enemies. His perspective helped him to put God first. Not his own agenda or his own fears or doubts or worries. 
his eyes were in the right place. And he knew that because his, his eyes were on God, that God was who he said he was, and he knew what God said was true. But the question is this morning, not about David, that's just helped you gain some perspective. But the question is this morning, on the 7th of July 2019, over halfway through the year, what about you? What about us? Do we come up to the battle full of hot air and self-confidence until we see what's in front of us? Ah, oh, it's not an issue. I can sort that out. No problem at all. It's who? <laughs> he looks a bit big. <laughs> or do we step into the battle, not knowing what the battle is yet to bring, but full of confidence in God. God-given confidence that reminds us that the confidence in God reminds us that he is bigger than what's ahead. Amen? He is far bigger and far greater than what lies ahead. Even if I don't know how many Philistines are behind this guy, it does not interest me one bit. All that interests me is this, that you are standing, or you think you're standing, in the way of God. You ain't standing in the way of God. He's been fighting battles a lot longer than any of us. And when he says it happens, in spite of you and me, isn't that marvellous? I need that regularly. Matthew, do this. Lord, I'm, I'm thinking about it. Hmm, listen, step up or get out of the way. We don't view it like that, though, do we? We think, well, God's just got it, and, you know, and I'm going to, I need a week, two weeks, I need a month. Just give me a month, and once I've got this month out of the way, I'm ready. No, the Lord has called us to step into the battle. Don't look at the battle and think it's too big for me. Appreciate it's too big for you, but it's not too big for God. Amen? It is not too big for God. He's not deterred by his thoughts of self-preservation or fear, this little shepherd boy. He's not deterred by his uh, thoughts of failure, but sure that God has all of this in hand because the giant, yes, it's too big for me, but it is certainly not too big for God. So I guess if you tie the two weeks together, well, we've chosen the path. We've stepped out in faith and now we can be sure, and I mean sure, and, and you've got to listen to this because you think something's positive's coming, but listen. You can be absolutely sure that the enemy will place the giant in the way. How do I know that that's the case? John 16, verse 33, Jesus says this. He says, in this world you will, underline it if you're an underliner, in this world you will have trouble, and then underline this, but take heart. I have overcome the world. But take heart, I have overcome the world. God, this is too big for me. Too big. I see it, I panic, I'm going to run the other way. And God says, Matt, listen, in this world you are going to have trouble, but listen, take heart because I have overcome the world. And now we either, and this is the question for us this morning, um, this is for you. You ready? We either make the battle personal or we give it to God, as David did. 
We either make the battle personal or we give it to God as David did. Because I can assure you from experience, and there's some of you in here have got way more experience than I have, and I appreciate that. But from experience of my own life, if I make it personal, it will beat me. Because it's about me. And I'm not big enough to tackle the thoughts that go through my head. I'm not big enough to tackle the fear and the anxiety and the doubt and the worry that goes through my head. I'm not big enough for it. So I can't make it personal. What I have to do is say, Lord, have I got my eyes fixed on you? Am I reading your word? Am I praying? Am I focused? Am I drilled down into what you want me to do? And the the answer then for each of us in our own walk, if the answer is yes, then I don't care what's in front. It's not big enough. It's not big enough to knock you off your perch. It's not big enough to stop God. It's not big enough. And it will not ever be big enough. And this is the point about knowing the path that we're on and being sure of what God has called us to do. Because when we have our mind and our hearts set on him, then it does not matter what comes in. We will win. Why? Because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen? We can do all things through him who strengthens us. And you know, it might be something that comes into our life, like a colleague who says this, and you may have heard this. I've heard this a couple of times in my life, and I think, wow, I can't be doing with you Christians. Firstly, I'm grateful you've noticed that I'm a Christian. Secondly, I can't be doing with you, pal. Nobody's ever replied like that, have they? Okay. And then maybe, and and let's bring it a little bit closer to home, a friend says, listen, I'll come out and I'll come and see you and I love love spending time with you, but please, 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 can we not talk about the God stuff? My question to that friend would be, you know who I am and we're friends because of it. Are you asking me to change? Because that ain't going to happen. I am who I am because God's called me to be. So we either talk the God stuff or, you know, you've got a space in your diary. (laughs) And maybe then if we bring it really personal and we bring it right into ourself and our own being, and, you know, a disease or an illness comes in that takes a piece of you. And let's not mince about with it or or make light of it we understand don't we because this is life and this is what sin has done and how uh, the curse has set apart that this shell here is dropping to pieces it, it, it gets terrible anyway but the truth is that it it's dropping to pieces and things will come in and we can think to ourselves well it's too big You know, it's okay because we've been talking about people and stuff and the giant in front of me, but now all of a sudden the giant's inside and I can't see it. And we have to step back in those moments. And there are some people in here with incredible testimonies that stand true to this, that we step back in those moments And is God bigger than this? And the answer has to be, yes. Yes, he is. He's bigger than this. And you know, we can 
find ourselves in such a world of hurt and a world of pain and internal pain and think, Lord, what's going off? And he says, my child, I've got you. This world is this world. But if we know the path that we're on, then one day we will see our Savior face to face. And all of what we've worried about, what we've feared about, what we've had to endure is not taken lightly. Yet we have a God who loves us and he's ready to welcome us in to the most wonderful place and we'll spend eternity with him, worshipping him, bringing our praise to him and giving thanks for all that he's done. But you see, all of that demands perspective. It demands perspective. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17. God's not left us on our own. I pray, and this is Paul to the church in Ephesus. He says, I, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted in and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the full measure of the fullness of God. God hasn't left us on our own. He's given us the Holy Spirit that as we put our faith and our trust in him, that we receive the Holy Spirit who is there with us day to day. He doesn't leave us. And when the difficulties come in, whatever disguise they take, when the difficulties come in, we can be ready knowing that we have the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Did Jesus not say in Matthew 28 verse 20 that Alistair picked up this morning at the breaking of bread, surely I am with you always. He said, surely I am with you always. Lord, I feel like I'm fighting this battle on my own. I feel like my only option is to turn and run. And it's where is our perspective? Or where are we looking? Where is our gaze set? Is it fixed on him? Because if it is then, we know that he is with us. We know that we have the Holy Spirit. And we know that we have a God who will never leave us nor forsake us. Psalm 139, one of the most beautiful psalms. I know I'm skipping through scripture a little bit this morning. But I think sometimes the Lord takes you on a journey and you've got to run with it because it's for me as much as it's for you. Psalm 139, verse 5 um, through 10. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. The psalmist writes, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. And he says, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Perspective says God is here. Perspective says it doesn't matter what's in front. I have the Holy Spirit. Perspective says he is in control. So I can gain the perspective to say, we got this, God. We've got this. 
You know, church, this is the God that we worship. This is the God that we worship. And perspective brings trust. Perspective brings obedience. And when they're in play, then the only way or the only response that we have is as Paul writes in Romans, he says this in verse, chapter 8, verse 31. If you're a highlighter, please highlight it. If God is for us, who can be against us?
This has been a podcast by Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk.